We were watching Desperate Housewives in the sunroom. That was his favorite show. He opened a medicine bottle, took two pain pills, and washed them down with a swig of Bud Light. She's a good-looking woman, he said to me, built like a brick shithouse. I don't remember the exact year, and I seem to recall the NBA Finals with the Pistons coming on after. I can't remember if it was the one that they won or the one that they lost. In this episode, one of the housewives was abducted, I believe. Maybe not. I remember there being a shooting or some kind of incident involving a gun taking place in a grocery store. I was amused that he actually liked such a terrible show. It seemed like a soap opera for older men who wanted to stare at hot cougars. He let me sneak a lot of beers that last summer, as long as I didn't let my family know about it. He was an old truck driver, and he had some crazy stories. Most of them revolved around sexual escapades on the road, and I really liked that, being that I was a teenager in high school and hormonal. He never got into the gross details, he was classy about that. I slept with a woman in every state, he told me. Some of them were bears. I don't remember crying when he got cancer. I just remember writing a song for him that I never showed anybody. My family and I went to visit him occasionally, though I recall I gave him a lot more time to himself to rest up. I never really thought that it would kill him. He seemed fine to me. I remember all the years that I'd gone over alone or with my father. He would never discuss the future. If somebody mentioned something that would happen in, say, five years, he would say, I won't be around in five years. Everybody would laugh it off, but I found it odd when he actually got sick. Did he notice his health declining? When he was comatose in the same sunroom that we used to sit in during his last days, I would go and sit with him and watch TV. His wife was sitting in there talking with me on the last day. The whole time she was talking, I was listening to him breathe because it started to sound like he was struggling. He took a deep inhale and I started counting in my head. 20 seconds, 30 seconds, he never exhaled. His wife finally noticed that something was off. She stopped mid-sentence, got up, and walked over to his bed. It was a sunny day, and the sunroom had huge windows all around. David, she said to him. David. At this point, I knew what had happened, and I told her I was going to make lunch real quick before she finally realized that he was dead. It felt weird being in such an intimate situation when I was just a neighbor boy, so I walked home. A few minutes later, the phone rang and my mother answered. When she hung up after the brief conversation, she announced to my family in a matter-of-fact tone, Dave died. A wave of cold northern water rolled in and crashed onto her foot. She had not been paying attention and jerked upon this happening, letting out a shriek. The man with the sunglasses, who was watching her from a slight distance, chuckled to himself. Silly girl, he thought. She continued to walk along the sandy beach. Children and their parents were jumping into the O-Train Bay, where the river flows into Lake Superior. The man with the sunglasses being amongst them, but not a part of them, blending in, watching the woman. 
She had an unusually dark tan for a blonde. Her hair was faded short at the sides, like a man might do these days. She had a kanji tattoo on her lower back that he could not distinguish, as unsurprisingly, he knew no Japanese. The man watched her stride further down the beach, and when she had walked far enough away from the crowd, he began to follow her. He watched her butt cheeks swing back and forth as she walked, as he gained closer and closer, trying not to become too aroused. When they were finally out of sight, he grabbed her by the right shoulder. She turned reflexively and roundhouse kicked him in the mouth, cutting his upper lip with her abnormally long big toenail. Sarah Martin, he asked, laying on the ground, partially covering his mouth. She assumed a defensive position. You've just been served. She's a lightweight these days, not because she cut down on drinking, but the opposite. Her liver is dead, and she can't process the alcohol like she used to. The Donald Trumps of the world have taken their toll on it, and they won a decisive victory. Every racial incantation bears a new scar that will never heal. Every pro-life assembly breeds a thousand angry polemics screeched into the void in the early hours of the day, while the morning fog burns off in the headlamps of a 2013 model year Chevy Silverado. She washes her face, proactive pimple popper. She'll never find love. Life is short and hard, too many bills to enjoy, perhaps I should die. Deep inside my skull, probably a tumor in there, making me insane. The internet's out, I will have to use data to masturbate now. The woman outside, I would take her in the house to do nasty things. I learned to look out for those who smile too much. There's nothing inside. I woke up to a bad dream. There I was, short, pudgy, and bald, laying on a broken futon, 31 years of age, paralyzed by a hyper mind, the invisible ailments that had long been a burden. My mother came in to check on me. Are you okay? She asked. It's 11 o'clock. I'm fine. Just a bad dream, I said to myself. I went to the grocery store. My mother asked me to go for her. I saw a lady in tight pants bending down to pick up a case of water, her buttocks protruding. Mmm, I thought to myself. Thank God for that. She turned around and set it in her cart, revealing a scrawny young man with a goatee. It was just a bad dream. They called me up on stage to congratulate me for four years of loyal service, the boss said. He shook my hand and gave me a $10 gift card to Red Lobster. Everybody clapped and I walked off stage. I could see a haze of approving smiles. Way to go, bud, I heard somebody say as I walked back to my table. I sat down and took a long drink of soda water. It's just a bad dream. I got flipped off on the drive home. For what, I can't say. He was driving a BMW with a plastic garbage bag covering the broken window on his passenger side. 
he whizzed between myself and the car in the next lane, threading the needle to get in front of me and fly off down the road, the garbage bag flapping harder in the wind as the car accelerated. I had noticed a sign on top of his car that read, Domino's Pizza. Life is hard. The mayor got indicted on corruption charges. I saw the video on the news. His family was crying in the front yard of his million-dollar home. He was crying, too. Led to the police cruiser in handcuffs. We laid in bed doing nothing in particular. She had a headache like she did every morning, a puke bag by her side. I was looking out the window at the clouds, listening to the birds chirp. She didn't look happy, and I didn't know why she was still there, although I'd be unhappy too if I felt the way that she did every morning. Someone must have put pizza rolls in the oven last night and fallen asleep. You can smell it in the air from the bedroom. It was Tuesday afternoon, and she spewed her guts out into a Walmart bag, sipping on a Heineken between fits. The dog smashed through the door with its head and jumped on the bed and started licking her face licking the crust from the corner of her mouth. I heard him slurping. I didn't look at her. I was watching the birds hop around on the windowsill as she very slowly got ready to leave. Where were you last night, I asked her. Then she threw a takeout box from the car window as I was driving her home. I love it when the power goes out, or when the economy takes a nosedive. I long to live in the post-apocalyptic world. Here, all I'll ever be is a cashier, a delivery driver. In the next world, I'll be a hunter, a high priest of some excommunicated sect of a religion that doesn't even exist yet. Everybody will huddle under the cover of trees and drink strange fermented beverages brewed with the flesh of fruits that we have gathered in the woods. We'll sit at the campfire every night and tell stories while one of us stands guard watching out for marauding bands. Power dynamics will be established among the group of us and everyone will have a clearly defined role to play. They will feel important and they will be. We will wander all day not looking for anything in particular aside from wild game and edible vegetation. We'll become sunburnt resting in the fields and frostbitten in the north woods. Everything will make sense. We will live in perfect harmony. We will domesticate the animals that follow behind us for our food scraps and build semi-permanent homes made of sticks and mud on shoddy foundations. We will develop sophisticated weapons of war and subject rival clans to our rule whilst bringing them representative forms of government and conceptions of private property. We'll form an empire with great cities and religious institutions through which we may serve our new gods who have given us our rightful bounty. And, as we domesticate ourselves and form trading routes with distant nations, new industries will arise that provide us with the necessities of life quickly and easily.
faster and easier as they scale up and up, harvesting the resources of the Earth to a degree unimaginable just a generation ago. And, in the name of progress, we will leave our ancestral homes to offer our productive capabilities to the new machines, which in turn will make us richer and wiser. We will no longer have to forage for food or build our homes from the materials we find in the forest. We won't have to rely on the support of our families or communities to keep us healthy, happy, and safe. The captains of industry can do that for us faster and much cheaper than we would have before. We will learn to value productivity and efficiency over all other things. Questions such as, where will we go now that the drought has come? And, how will we protect ourselves from predators? Will be replaced with, I wonder how much cheaper gasoline is down the road, and should I apply for the platinum card? We will become separated from our family and friends for the majority of our waking hours in the name of insatiable economic growth to build more machines to slave alongside of, disconnecting ourselves further from the natural world and our inner nature. We will do this to reduce our working hours, while in actuality we are only replacing ourselves with the tools that were supposed to liberate us. The owners of the technology all the while smile gleefully while we sacrifice our lives to support their luxurious lifestyles. We will invent weapons that can destroy the entire planet many times over. We will use them in an attempt to consolidate power and expand our influence with the blessing of our celestial deities. The outcome being the ravaging of all life on Earth. I love it when the power goes out. <laughs>